Welcome to Chicana and Latina Moms Podcast. This space is created to share with you knowledge on mental health awareness, to learn how to implement self-care and self-love, to remind you que no estás sola. Unidas creamos cambio, pero solo con acción. Esta es una revolución. Hey, my Chicana and Latina sisters, please do not forget to leave a review and give me your feedback. I would really appreciate it. This also helps other new listeners know what we're about. Gracias. Hola, my Chicana and Latina moms. ¿Cómo están? I hope you're having a beautiful day, morning, night, whenever you're listening to this um, episode. I hope you're having a beautiful day. If you're not, it's okay to not be okay. Just don't forget to take deep breaths. Hold it. And release. Don't forget to take deep breaths. Don't forget to implement self-care. You are very important. And you are the rock for your kids. And you're more than just a mother. Remember, before you had kids, you had dreams. And those dreams can still come to life when you are ready. But first of all, your self-care. To be in tune with yourself. To be present with yourself. To then be present with your kids. It's very important. But again, thank you so much for taking the time. And I'm very excited today to have another beautiful guest, Chingona. All of the all of the guests that come on here, all of you, and the ones that listen, all of you. Heck, even me, somos chingonas, right? All of us. We are trying really hard to be the best version of ourselves. And it's just beautiful in different ways, right? In different ways. And that's still okay. But I have a beautiful guest today, and her name is Liliana Vasquez. Now, let me tell you about Liliana Vasquez. She's an Emmy-winning host and TV personality. She is actually an interviewer-style expert and an author. She started off by creating a small blog to then being seen by millions daily on numerous platforms. Vasquez brings a larger-than-life presence to everything she does. Her upbeat personality and approaching style combined with her natural ability to connect with audiences have made her household name. Vasquez was a host of E! Entertainment Daily Morning Show, E! News, and Pop of the Morning. The first and only Latina to hold the role in the show's 30-year history and produced and hosted Pop on Peacock, produced exclusively for NBC's Peacock streaming service. Vasquez currently hosts E! Entertainment Deals for Real, a segment she created for the network. Liana launched her small blog, CheapChicas.com, in 2008, then to later being seen by millions daily on numerous platforms, including NBC Today, Extra, The Talk, Rachel Ray, The Wendy Williams Show, and Steve Harvey. She was born and raised in Fort Worth, Texas, 
a Puerto Rican father and Mexican mother. Liliana is a first-generation Latinx who radiates gratitude for the dedication and sacrifices that her family made for her. Among the first in her family to attend college, she graduated from George Washington University, where she earned a double major in international business and entrepreneurship. Liliana has always used her platforms to advocate for her community and fight for Latinx representation in media and entertainment, as well as raise awareness on social issues. In April of 2021, Liliana announced she was pregnant with her first child after battling with six years of infertility and IVF. After living this experience, Liliana wishes to use her voice and platform to break the taboo around for infertility and how it affects the Latinx community. In late July, Liliana announced the birth of her healthy baby boy, Santiago, also known as Santi Merrick McGrath. Liliana hopes to continue sharing about her journey to motherhood, the lessons, the challenges, and the hope with other mothers and those who hope to experience motherhood one day. Now let's begin with this episode with Liliana Vasquez. Hola, Chicana and Latina moms, como están? Thank you for being here. And here is our guest, Liliana Vasquez. Hola, Liliana, how are you? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Yes, thank you. Also for us, I love the way that um, you represent, you know, the Latinx community. So thank you so much. Thank you for doing oh, that. Yeah. Listen, I'm just... I think representation is so important in so many ways, not just obviously like seeing stories about Latinx families and moms and babies, but also like just the visual of it, right? What, what it looks like, what this parenthood journey looks like, what pregnancy looks like. Um, so I think it's also so important. I mean, to, to acknowledge the need for it and then also acknowledge people are doing it. And I'm just a tiny part of that. I love seeing other Latinx moms and other Latinx families representing us as well. Oh, well, even though it's tiny, it makes a big impact, a big impact. So Thank you from all of us here, your Chicana and Latina sisters <laughs> slash moms. <laughs> yeah. So um, tell us, tell us about, about you. I mean, I already gave a, an intro and it's like, wow, it's awesome. I look up to you. It's really nice um, to see all the things that you've accomplished. But I guess, you know, in regards to this episode, if you can tell us about your childhood experience, you know, with your parents um, as a Latina. Yeah, totally. So um, I was born in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, my mom is Mexicana. She's from Guadalajara. And then my dad is Puerto Rican. Nice. He is from Ponce. Mm. Um, and it's, it's you know, it's so funny. It's I'm discovering that there's more of me. Um, there's more of what we call <laughs> Mexicans out there. Yeah. There weren't a lot, <laughs> there weren't a lot growing up. Um, you know, growing up in, in Texas, it's almost like growing up in, like, North Mexico. Okay. Is how I described it because... You know, one thing that I realized, and I didn't realize until I went to college, was that, you know, my community and my family's community is very insular. It's like, it's our little Mexican community, right? Yeah. Like, rarely did we step outside of that. And the only reason I really stepped outside of that is because education was really important to my mom. Mm. And she sent me to a incredible private school from third grade on. And that was the first time I really saw that there was a much 
bigger world than just the boundaries of like my community on the north side of Fort Worth. That's when I realized, oh, wait a second. What is this? Like their parents are doctors, they're accountants, like their siblings go to college, things that just were not in my immediate sight line. Mm. Um, And that's why I believe so much in education because it's not just about the books. That's a really important part of it, but it's about the experiences and it's about the runway that it gives our young Latino babies to see a world that is bigger than maybe even they even dreamed of possible for them. And I think that's what my mom was searching for, for me with an education was not just the book smart, but it was Mija, here's a bigger world that you could be a part of. I couldn't do it but I want you to have the opportunity to do it. Yeah. And that was really the basis of my entire childhood, which was that education is paramount and fundamental. And I, it was expected that I was a good student. Um, it was expected that I could do the work on my own. I was never like, my parents just weren't, what, I mean, yeah. I always say like as gringos, like they call them helicopter yeah. parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that doesn't exist because when both of your parents work full time, Mm -hmm. Um, and they have a job and a household and multiple kids to take care of. Like being a helicopter parent is a luxury. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let's be really honest. That is just not something that most like, again, I mean, I'm first generation, like both of my parents, neither was born here. Mm -hmm. And that's just not a luxury that they had was to be home hovering over me. So the expectation was that, you know, I, I do the work myself and I'm not sure that I'm going to go that extreme with my own, but I do think that it raises very independent thinkers, very independent learners. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it does create a a mindset of like, Hey, I got this. I can, I can do a lot of this independently. And it instills a lot of confidence in in our young people. And I think that's one of the main reasons that I've been so successful Mm -hmm. in a career that's really cutthroat. You know, like my industry is difficult, man, but I'm super confident and I approach it with a lot of tenacity and a lot of confidence. I think I learned that from a very young age. Yeah, definitely. It sounds the sacrifices, right? That, um, Mm -hmm. you know, parents that immigrate into this country, there's so much of their dreams that they put aside, but either, either way they, they thrive in their own way. And we learn from that and we take it and we like run with it. Right. As more of a agradecimiento, right. At the same time. Yeah. That, that's really nice, nice to hear. And I could totally relate to what you said um, and what you learned from them, right? You've learned so much from your parents, um, which now you are saying, okay, I'll, I'll take this, but I'm not, I'm not going to take yeah. this. I'm sure that happens too, <laughs> right? There's a lot. There's yeah. a lot. You know, I think that kind of, I, I always say like, you know, it's, I was talking to, I can't even remember who I was talking to about this, but I said to them, you know, a lot of times when you think about the decisions that our parents made and how they raised us and the tools that they used, they were parenting from scarcity. There was a scarcity in resource. There was a scarcity in time. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, there was a scarcity when it came to money. And I think the biggest shift that happens is that now that we have our children, we know that we can parent from abundance. Mm -hmm. And that allows us to make very different decisions, right? That's a privilege to be able to do that. But we don't get to do that without the sacrifices they made. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we we saw it raw, right? Mm -hmm. We saw Mm -hmm. that struggle very raw. And um, I had actually read an article and it was a study and they were saying there was three generations, you know, our parents, us and our kids. 
And out of those three generations, the one that was more successful was the middle, which was us. Yeah. Because we saw it raw. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's so true. You're, yeah, that's really interesting. But I, I, I think that that can be really accurate in so many ways. Yes, yes. And that's the thing, right? Like with our kids, like being cautious of not spoiling them because, all right, I got yeah. it. Now I'm not going to spoil you. But you also have to learn how to earn it because life is tough, right? In general. <laughs> it's really tough. I always I always think about that. It's like it's such a delicate balance that I'm going to have to figure out, right, is how do you, how do you give without overgiving? Exactly. Um, You know, because I do think that some of the toughness that I think is really critical to the success I've had and and to my success, just not, not even just professionally, but just socially um, in in, at university, all of that. I think it's because I was, I had to be kind of tough, you know, and, and how do I instill that in my child without making them too tough you know I don't yeah. want to be it's it's hard it's yes. hard and I don't know that there's a right answer and I don't know that there's a right approach but I definitely think about that a lot you know especially he's so little right now but I do think that all of that stuff you know happens you kind of set the stage at a really young age yeah yeah we don't want to give them that tough love right um no yeah but at the same time <laughs> You know, you want them to like have a little bit of, I don't know, have yeah. a little bit of an edge to them. <laughs> yes, yes. We don't want them to be the doormats or be pushovers, right? We want them to learn how to say no, yeah. right? Yeah, we want as we have, I always say like, you know, you have like little girls, you want them to be like little chingonas, yeah. you know, like don't mess with me. <laughs> exactly I know that's I know we it's the street smart and the book smart how do we kind of like bring that in right a mixture yeah (laughs) yeah totally yeah so um if you can share with us like what are the pros and the cons um in your life as a Latina oh gosh well I think the pros I mean first and foremost is that there's nothing more important in my life than family yeah um And, you know, the difference, I think, when I say that is that my family isn't just my blood family. My family is also the family that I've gotten to create. Um, You know, I left home when I was 18 years old to go to college um, in Washington, D.C. And so when you think about my total number of years on this planet, I spent 18 of them at home in Texas and the rest, I'm 41 now, living away from home. And in that time, you also have to find family, right? It can't just be that I had to go home every time because there were times when I couldn't afford to fly home to Texas. Yeah. I wasn't, I know I wasn't a car ride away. I was a flight away. And there were times when I, I couldn't do that. And so you know, I realized how important it is, how important community is and family is to me. And I think that's central to every Latinx family. And now, I find that that tends to be central to most immigrant families yes. uh, because you've left everything that you know, mm-hmm. right? So you crave familiarity, you you crave community, exactly. you crave things that feel like home. And so that's one of the most beautiful things I think about our culture is that there's nothing more important than family, whether it's blood or the family that you get to build and create and choose um, as you, you know, mature and grow older and get to live in different places. And I'm really lucky that I have an incredible, huge network of family members and friends at home in Texas, but I also have a beautiful family away from home as well. Those are my friends. Those are my peers. Those are the people that I lean on when things get really hard. And, you know, I live in LA. My mom's in Texas. Like I have to have community nearby. I can't do this alone. You can't parent in a silo. I mean, you know, they always say like it takes a village. And I don't think that you realize the importance of that until you really do have your own children and you realize, oh my gosh, we cannot do this by ourselves. Um, So that I think number one, number two, I think that 
our culture is so rich in music and artistic expression. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's really, really important to me to instill in Santi from a very young age. Mm -hmm. So whether that's playing like Selena, (laughs) yeah. Or it's, you know, it's having him have mariachis at his first birthday. I think all of the sensory experiences of being Mexican, like in my heart, I want him to see and feel and explore for himself. And I think that's incredible. And I also think that, you know, there is a warmth to Latinos that is really important. And I was talking to someone today about that on television and Mm -hmm. how, you know, the people on TV that audiences connect to when, you know, you used to look at your newscasters and your broadcasters, you know, it was a very cold delivery, right? You were supposed to be without emotion, right? You were there to do a job and your job was to give the news. And as you start to see this next generation of storytellers emerge and become successful, the difference in them and the generations past is that they're warm. They're reaching through the screen and taking your hand and saying, come be a part of this story with me. Yes. And Mm -hmm. The person I was speaking to, who's a career advisor for me, said, you know, that is something that is so hard to fake and so hard to learn. You either have it or you don't. Mm -hmm. And I knew exactly what she meant. And I think that that innate warmth is something that is cultural and specific to Latinos. We just have it. Like, think about how many times you've gone to like, you know, maybe it's a coworker that you don't know and they invite you to like their tia's house for like a carne asada. Yeah. You feel like family the second you walk in. Exactly. Yes. That's not how I've always felt when I've been invited to other people's <laughs> homes. You know, and it's not that they weren't welcoming. It's that they weren't warm because it's not a core. It's not at the core of who they are or how their yes. values are, are built. And so to me, those are incredible strengths that, that are culturally driven. Um, and it's, it's a part of me. And I'm so lucky. I always say I'm just so lucky to be part of this incredible community of like Latinx men and women, because yes. I do think we're, we're blessed to be born with warmth. We're blessed to have the music and the artistic expression that we get to be a part of. And then Aside from that, just like that we're, that we're all, that we're like a global community. Yes. I mean, how many mm-hmm. different cultures get to say that? We're everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we're sprinkled all over. All <laughs> yeah. Over. Exactly. Exactly. And yes, that's the thing about our culture. And it's like, sometimes I'm like, gracias Dios. I'm so grateful for my culture because I love it as well. And I totally can relate with you. And yeah, you know, you go into someone's like a friend's house, like, mija, pásate, siéntate, que eres frijolitos or something, you know, un taco de carne asada. Yeah. It's It's true. So I think those are the big, the big pros. And then like, you know, I think when you think about cons, it's like, I always think of like, it's more of like a needs improvement. And I've been saying this for years. Mm -hmm. What we need to improve on as a community is kind of what I said about parenthood. We need to come from abundance. Okay. And what that means is that we can't be looking around at each other, thinking that we are each other's competition. Mm -hmm. That is, is not a good place for us to be, especially professionally and very much so in certain industries. Uh, You know, I work in media, so I think about that. And I think about how many times I've met another Latina who's either a journalist or a producer or a writer or a director. And instead of sharing resources, right, and Mm -hmm. helping me and extending a hand, she might do that socially, but professionally, Mm -hmm. they can be very protective, 
right? Yeah. Because they're coming from scarcity. They're saying, well, historically, there's only been one of us ever in the newsroom. So if I'm the one, I want to stay the one. Yeah. Instead of saying, there's room for all of us, right? How mm. can I how can I be part of creating space for two of us in this newsroom versus saying, how am I going to protect my one space? Exactly. Yes. And I think that is starting to shift. And I see that shifting because my peers, like my age group, my, like, I am very close with many Latina journalists who are fighting for all of us in those newsrooms. Like they're making the introductions. They're saying, Hey, do you know so-and-so at CNN? Mm -hmm. Do you have a contact at CBS? And we are sharing, we're sharing our salaries. We're sharing information. We're sharing contacts. That didn't happen in the generation above me because I've had those women as mentors and those are mentorships that ended quickly because I could feel it. I knew that they were doing it for show. They weren't doing it for actual like strength, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I think in our community, we need to stop because Mm -hmm. if we don't help one another, guess what? No one else is going to help us. Exactly. Exactly. There's success for everyone. Lambidia takes over and there's no need for that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I totally know what you mean by that. Yeah, it's it's tough. And also being okay with being um, in spaces where there's like white people. We have to, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's like it's okay to be Latina. It's okay to be around certain places where you feel uncomfortable because I I remember having someone share that I was like you feel uncomfortable I'm like oh my god sometimes I felt uncomfortable (laughs) it's so funny but it's like it's it's real you know it yeah I mean it's like in in some way it's it's what people always talk about you know when it comes it's it's imposter syndrome right exactly yeah it's feeling like you're not worthy of the space it's feeling like you know, you're already there. So you want to be like quiet and in the corner and not Mm -hmm. take up a lot of space. And, you know, up until kind of my, like, I would say my mid thirties, that's how I was on TV. Like I look at old videos and or old footage of me, you know, on the today show. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, wait, that's not me. Like that's not Mm. me. And it's because I was so scared of not being in the room and not being on that set that I almost shrank right? I was quiet and I shrank back my talent and I shrank back my presentation for fear that like it might turn people off or they might think I was like taking up too much space. And I say like, no girl, like take up all the air in the room, like be noisy, be loud, like make your presence known. Um, Don't shrink, never, ever shrink, expand in that space. But it's hard to put that into practice when you feel like you're not deserving of the opportunity. You feel like you're a fake standing there like, oh God, are they going to find out that I'm not supposed to be here? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's hard, but it's hard because there's not a lot of us. And when there's not very many of us, you're like, oh shit, I don't want to get kicked out of here. (laughs) I know. Yes. Yes. And it's okay to take up space, you know, in a genuine, humble, I've, you know, humble manner. And that speaks volumes. Yes, I know I've had a, a time where I was actually invited to be a guest and um, I obviously I was like, oh, I'm Chicana and Latina Moms podcast. And they were like, what's like, what's so special about Chicanas and Latinas? I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're just asking me. And it was like a live uh, recording. So I kind of threw it back on them. And of course, they didn't you know, post it, (laughs) but I was like, wow, next time I'm going to be extra careful as to where, you know, (laughs) I'm going to put myself in because they're not appreciating and well, probably never try to understand, 
you know, right. a space. Yeah, that... yeah, and it's also, and I also say, you know, I saw this happen a lot, especially with BLM and, and speaking to my friends, to my black friends who were going yeah. through this, and they said, you know, one thing you'll discover eventually, they're like, and, you know, you're in, like, a different cycle of this. It's like, it's, like, not your job mm-hmm. to, like, explain how exactly. fabulous you are yes. and, like, how, like, lucky they are to have your talent, your skills, and, like, the experiences that you bring as a first-generation Latina. Yeah. They need to value that. Yeah. Like, it's not your job to, like, tell people why, mm-hmm. right? If you don't already know that, then, like, you're not worthy of me being here with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. You're, yep, that's <laughs> exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah, so how has all of this pros and cons and things of your life have helped you as a mom with your baby? Oh, Santi, gosh. right? Santiago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think the biggest, I think the biggest thing that's happened since I've had him is I've kind of gotten a chance to like really look back at, at myself, right? I think like children are like mirrors, right? They hold yes. them up to you every day and you say, okay, well, like, I like the person in the mirror, what would I do different? How would I, how would I be different? I mean, I think I spent so many of my younger years, especially in college and even younger professionally, I think kind of running away from who I was and running away from mm. my cultural like experiences and backgrounds and, and the, I, so much of it. Yes. And it's because I think you just want to blend in you just want to be like everyone around you and you know professionally and academically I chose what felt like very white worlds if that's something I can say yeah Um, no that's fine (laughs) dominated by you know white men and, and women and I think what I want for my son is to be so fiercely proud of who he is in his heritage. I mean, yeah. trust me, when I named my son Santiago, like I was not messing around with that name. Yeah. There is no way that anyone is going to say, oh, your name is Santiago and be like, oh, he's a white kid. No, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was purposeful in a name because I think names are incredibly powerful. And, yes. you know, one of the things that I knew when I was a little girl was I didn't want to be Liliana because nobody mm. was named Liliana. No one could even say it, you know? Yeah. I wanted to be like Kelly or Ashley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no, that wasn't my name. And it's, you know, it took like me literally going away to college and seeing how diverse the rest of the world was and how beautiful it was to be Latina that I was like, oh, no, 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 this is the right name. And so I want to make sure that from a really young age, like Santi knows, like, that's why, why is my name Santiago Lami? Like, mm-hmm. why? You know? Yeah. And explain that to him and say, this is where you come from. Like, you're so lucky to be part of this community. Like you're blessed to be part of this community. You're unique, you're special, you're different. You speak two languages. Like look at the, you know, and that's just not something that I led with. And it's something that I've had to really like reckon with. You know, I think a lot of us do as first generation kids. It's like, we just want to be like everybody else. And sometimes everyone else is white. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, you just want to be like everybody else. And so that's something that I've had to do, which is where did the shame come from? Why was I hiding? Why was I not leading with that? And there's a million answers to that. And my therapist and I are still working on them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but it was important for me to have that reckoning and look in my baby's eyes and see him as a mirror to me to say, no, 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 that stops. That stopped a long time ago. I'm not bringing any of that to him. Um, and you know, I want to raise him with so much cultural pride and awareness, um, because it's really important. It's who he is. It's his sangre. That's his blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Part of his identity. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, and this, and that is going to happen because you're so in love with it and you, um, 
I, I mean, as I'm hearing you speak, you could totally, I could totally feel that you have this passion, obviously, and this love for your culture that you want to hand yeah. it over, right? Like, here you go, mm-hmm. son, here's, a, here's another gift, and here's another gift that yeah. you can continue to carry on, right? Totally, and how lucky are you? Hello? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And he will, he'll be like, yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm always like, Miko, you're not basic, you're special. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, I mean, being a mom is very, very challenging, right? Because like you said earlier, right, you start to explore a lot about your yourself. And um, that's what happens with us moms. I mean, first, you know, before we became moms, obviously, we had like, oh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And then like, kind of like life obviously changes through the process. And then it's like, oh, wait, this shame in me or this like traumas mm-hmm. or, you know, all these generational traumas started to creep up because now I'm like, I'm afraid that something's going to happen to this other little human being. I have to take care. I mean, there's whew, fears sometimes all over the place. Yeah. It's endless. I don't think I was prepared for that. It's, it brings up, and like you said, that multi-generational trauma. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not even going back one generation. You're going back two and three. Exactly. Yes. And you start to, it's like, you know, you start to peel back that onion and you're like, wait, am I ready to go that deep? Like, am I ready to look at why and how? Like, mm-hmm. it's a lot. It's a lot. We have a lot of healing to do, I yeah. think, especially our generation. And, you know, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, that healing, like, it's never going to start unless you start it. So exactly. it's like, don't let another, don't let more time go by. Like it's scary and it hurts and it's painful, but like got to do it for our babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. When we take the time to heal, we'll, we're setting an example for them. And it's mm-hmm. beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, what advice would you give to our Chicana and Latina moms slash sisters <laughs> that are listening <laughs> based on, um, you know, in as a Latina, as a mom, something that you have seen worked for you or anything, what kind of yeah. advice? Well, um, I'm going to give you two. Okay. So number one is you've got to get really comfortable with setting boundaries. Yes. Um, boundaries are valuable. You have the right to boundaries and they protect you. And it is not your job to make other people comfortable with your boundaries. Mm -hmm. You get to set them, no questions asked. And that is something that I think culturally we really struggle with. I mean, think about how many times you have felt violated at a dinner table with your cousins and your aunts and your grandma. And you say nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're raised to say nothing. And I think that now that I have my family, boundaries have become very important. And Here's the thing about boundaries. People don't like them. Yeah, (laughs) they don't at all. They don't like them. And like, I don't like them. I don't like when people set them for me. But (laughs) I have to always remind myself that like boundaries are valuable and they need to be respected. So do not be afraid to set boundaries, right? And that can mean in the workplace as a mom, protecting your schedule, protecting your calendar. It can mean at home from your suegra. Yes. It can be from your like Mithicha sister. Mm-hmm. It can, you know, it can be just from looks because, you know, like we could give each other looks that like speak a thousand words. Yes. So boundaries are something that I'm not great at, but that I'm getting better at. I think that's one of the things that is really important as a mother, I think, is you got to protect your family. And yeah. sometimes boundaries are that first line of protection. Yes. Um The second, and I think is really important and something that's been very important to me is taking care of our own mental health. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you grew up, but for me, mm-hmm. people that were crazy went to the therapist. Oh, right? yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I grew up. There was a stigma around getting mental health help, right? Yeah. Seeing a therapist, seeing a psychiatrist. It was like, well, what's wrong with you? And that is such a dangerous stigma. Yes. And it's so shameful and ridden shame. And I totally disagree with that. I am such a better human being because I have a therapist. Yeah. And one of the best things that I've done for myself is commit to healing through mental health and seeing a therapist. And especially as a mom, I can tell you that like I had a therapist in my life that was like for work stuff and relationship stuff. Mm-hmm. But when I was in my second trimester, I was really depressed and I couldn't figure out why because I had worked and battled for six years to get pregnant and how I was supposed to feel wasn't matching up with how I really felt inside. And I could not figure it out for myself. Mm -hmm. And I had a wonderful physician who said, you need to see somebody that specializes just in this, just in maternal wellness. And I said, wait, there's therapists that do that. She said, absolutely. So she made a recommendation and that has been the best money and time that I spent in my pregnancy and especially now postpartum. And so do that for yourselves. And by the way, the postpartum period does not mean 16 weeks or 12 weeks or whatever they say it is. It can be five years. You yeah. Just, until you, you know, every, it, it doesn't matter. It's like people are like, Oh, you're not even post. Oh, you're out of postpartum. I'm like, my baby's not even 16. What are you talking about? I know. Like, yeah. What are you talking <laughs> I was talking to a good friend of mine. She's like, girl, it's been two years. I'm still feeling the effects of it. Two years later, she's a yeah. two year old. Oh. And so I think Having somebody that you can talk to that is not your best friend, that is not your sister, that is not your mom, but a professional that can help you work through those feelings and just help you have a better understanding of what you're going through and that can give you the right set of tools and help you work through issues in your own brain is just so valuable. And so I think between boundaries and having a therapist that I speak to, again, a therapist that is a professional, not my mom, (laughs) not my sister, um, has been, I think that combination has been incredibly powerful for my own like health and healing oh that's good yes mental health is very very important yes there's this i mean there's so many therapists but there's always that specific therapist for everyone right Mm -hmm. and um that those are really good great advice um and self-care obviously is all attached to that mental health that you're sharing and we you know I always say time is another word for love right we have to make time to love ourselves we have to make time for parenting and etc but um we'll, we're intelligent human beings <laughs> well you we know <laughs> and the universe is amazing and god as well so we our culture i mean everything just um comes together very beautifully and and uh, it's beautiful to have that support from you know family obviously our community and professionals that are willing to to be there for us but for sure yeah well thank you so much liliana i appreciate you very very much for sharing your thoughts and in your heart here with us chicana latina moms slash sisters <laughs> totally yeah you, you know um i'm we're here for you and um, thank you for representing us out there because definitely, you know, I think it's it's a matter of time to continue to change this. So gracias. Gracias oh my gosh, trabajo. no, thank you. Thank you for bringing together. I think there's not enough of this that happens for us, right? Like yeah. we always, we have our immediate family, but I think that 
you know, creating community, which is exactly what you're doing and a support network of other like Chicana moms and Latina moms is is so, so valuable in our journey as moms as we evolve and grow. Like he said, you know, from the way our parents parented, like we're doing this our way. Um, and having this community is so valuable. So thank you for bringing us together and giving us a place to go for resources. Um, I think it's, it's, it's amazing work that you're doing. So thanks for having me on and thank you for doing it. Ah, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for your kind words. So thank you, Chicana and Latina moms, for listening. Stay tuned for more. Adios. Gracias por escuchar. Thank you so much for tuning in to Chicana and Latina Moms podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Chicana underscore Latina Moms Podcast. And also, don't forget to leave a review. Gracias.